Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening. It's great to see you all. Uh, and I'd just like to extend my welcome to everyone here. Uh, my name's Indy, in case you've never met me before. Uh, and tonight... Uh, We're looking at Philippians 2, and the title of the message is Unity, Humility, and Gospel Community. Um, And yeah, so these days, community can mean a lot of different things to different people, but it's something that every human would agree is necessary. We all need people around us. I've seen how people or friends of mine have entered or remained in dark and lonely places because they don't have community or the community that they've been in um, has brought hurt and pain instead of life and love. So how can we be part of a gospel community? One where people feel safe and loved, where people are valued for who they are, not what they do or what they don't bring. So tonight we're going to dive into what Paul says about unity, humility and gospel community. Um, And so what what that means um, for how we need to live and serve as a community. So let's read the passage for this evening, which is Philippians 2, 1 to 18, if you'd like to get out your Bibles, and it'll be on the screen as well. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be something used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation." Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So I'd like to start off with a really important question. Um, Who here, put your hand up, is a directioner? Really? (laughs) Don't be ashamed. I am too. (laughs) All right. Great start. Cool. Um, (laughs) 
So uh, recently, uh, a, a video of an interaction between a fan's mum and Niall Horan of 1D uh, was floating around the internet. So we're going to watch that. My daughter, teenage daughter, thinks you're some pop star. Yes, some pop star. My name's Niall. You are Niall? Oh my God. Okay. Can, can, can she take a selfie? Is that okay? She actually dared me to do this. I'm very sorry. Thank you. So hang on one second. No, no! It's him! Some pop star. My name is Niall Horan. So lots of the responses and reactions uh, to the video were joking about Niall being humbled uh, by the lady. Uh, he's experienced incredible worldwide success as part of One Direction. Not that you guys would know anything about that. Um, he's won 200... Well, One Direction have won 242 awards, including Best International Artist five years in a row, Best Pop Artist and NMW Award for Worst Band. Completely undeserved, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, and as well as that, he's had a very successful solo career since the band's hiatus. And yet this fan's mother humbled him to the lowly position of some pop star. <laughs> now, some of you in the room might be wondering if I'm about to start drawing parallels between Niall Horan, some pop star, and Jesus Christ, saviour of the world. Um, and maybe I will. So just keep listening. <laughs> so we're in our third week of our themes in Philippians series. Chip started us off by giving us some context behind the letter of Philippians. Um, and so for those who missed it or forgot, uh, Paul visited Philippi to start a church on his second missionary journey. Um, but at the writing of this letter, 10 or so years later, Paul was in prison in Rome. The Philippian church is certainly not perfect, but from Paul's encouragement to them, we can see that it is a church on track. And I'd like to imagine Hills Baptist to be similar to the Philippian believers in this way. We certainly don't have it all perfect. We have a lot to work on and grow in as individuals and as a community. But I would hope that if Paul were to write to our church, he would have similar words of encouragement to give to us. But Paul doesn't write a letter just saying, good job, see you later. There's plenty we need to learn and grow in. And yeah, so our passage in Philippians 2 begins with therefore, um, which begs Nick Van Roos' favourite question, what is the therefore, therefore? So let's go back to chapter 1 to find out so that we can more fully understand what Paul has to say. So from verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Thanks, Nick, if I get that first slide. Thank you. So Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. But what does that even mean and how do we do that? So the first thing to note about this section of the passage, uh, which gives us a little bit more context about what Paul's actually trying to say, uh, is that the Greek word Paul uses, which translates to conduct yourselves, is this word, which I'm not going to try and say. <laughs> uh, it comes, uh, it's a unique word that Paul doesn't use anywhere else in the Bible except for in Acts, uh, and it comes from the word polites, which means citizen. 
So more than just conducting themselves, Paul's meaning is more political. It means to actually have citizenship of the gospel of Christ. The Philippians were proud of their Roman citizenship status, but Paul is reminding them to remember their true citizenship as citizens of heaven. Uh, Paul is telling them to live as worthy citizens of their heavenly home. First and foremost, Paul draws them back to Christ. Instead of a list and rules of expectations, he points to Christ's person and the good news of who he is. Christ is the rule here. As one commentary put it, the gospel of Christ provides the motive and the pattern for all Christian behaviour. Just preached on Philippians 3 last week about joy and how it's not about us. Our joy comes from understanding our true identity in Christ as God's children. It's from this place of knowing our identity, our citizenship, our belonging in his family as children of God that we must begin. Christ is the centre of it. Most of us would claim to be of Hills Baptist Church and many here live uh, in the Adelaide Hills. And we are afforded certain luxuries and comforts attached to that. I would say I'm a proud member of our church, and I'm sure many of you also would, uh, but we must not get caught up in living our citizenship as citizens of a church or citizens of the Adelaide Hills or wherever you might live or citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. And more than just believing that, we have to live out that truth. So Paul is telling us that we have responsibilities to be dutiful citizens, to live out the gospel of Christ, that conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ starts by knowing our identity as children of God and citizens of heaven. And Paul lays out exactly how we must be dutiful citizens of heaven. An important part of being a citizen is belonging not just as an individual, but as a community. And we are called to be united as God's family. Paul's direction to stand firm in verse 27 means to be uh, firmly committed in our conviction. But this is done in the power of the Holy Spirit given to us. Our unity as a community isn't our achievement as a church, but it is a gift of God through the Spirit. And from this steadfastness in unity, we must strive together as one, literally one soul, for the faith of of the gospel. In verse 130, Paul highlights the unity all believers have as one family of God. He relates to them as partners in suffering for and proclaiming of the gospel. By this point, Paul has been stripped, beaten with rods and thrown into prison. And he's a profound example of someone who's suffered for the sake of the gospel. But it's not about an individual achievement or success of Paul's. We are called to be united in our faith. In Philippians 2, Paul takes this further. And the if in this next passage could also be translated to since. It's not a question of whether we have received these things, but a certainty that we have and a responsibility as a result of that. Uh, So since we have encouragement from being united with Christ, since we have comfort from his love, since we have common sharing in the spirit, since we have experienced tenderness and compassion. Again, it comes back to identity knowing the truth of who we are and who God is. First, we must know these truths of how we have received encouragement, unity with Christ, comfort, love, tenderness and compassion as individuals in our own personal faith. Then we can know how to give and be unified in love uh, in these things as a community. 
So next, Paul urges them to be like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and mind. We must not be preoccupied with our own egocentric agendas. Instead, we must be unified by our shared goal. We must have the same love for one another as God loves us, a love that is unconditional, sacrificial and forgiving. Look to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians for what love looks like in action. It is patient, kind, not easily angered. It rejoices with truth. It protects and trusts, hopes and always perseveres. It never fails. So to live as citizens of heaven, worthy of the gospel of Christ, we must be steadfast in unity. Unity that is a gift of the spirit, but not something we are passive participants in. How do we actually go about living in unity? Well, Paul tells us, by living in humility. And we are given the greatest example of humility there ever was, Jesus. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. Paul gives us the small goal of having the same mindset as Jesus within our relationships with each other. This is how we achieve unity as a community, by looking to Jesus. And true humility isn't just simply deciding not to brag about an achievement, That's not what the gospel is about. One of the many key differences between Niall Horan and Jesus uh, is their responses to being humbled. While Niall seemed to be a good sport about it, he completely rejected it. Jesus, however, personified humility. He chose it and became it. He became nothing, taking the nature of a servant. True humility is the son of God lowering himself to humanity. Jesus was plotted against, betrayed, sold, mocked, beaten and scorned and murdered mercilessly by crucifixion. But more than this, Jesus made himself obedient to death. The source of life, the creator of the universe, the one who put breath into our lungs and yet he submitted to death, a death he never deserved. All for our salvation and his glory that we might have relationship with him. Often I forget to stop and truly understand the gravity of this. And sometimes it helps to see it played out in front of our eyes. There's one scene in C.S. Lewis's Narnia movie adaptation uh, that stands out to me. And it's of Aslan who represents Jesus walking towards his death. His death at the hands of the white witch. His steps are slow but sure. He doesn't have to be captured or tricked and he walks willingly. True humility is hard. The Greek-Roman world considered humility to be a shortcoming rather than a virtue. And it could be argued that our Western world does also. Humility appears as weakness and foolishness. But as we see with Christ, humility is not a lack of strength. It is not submitting in passivity or being a doormat. Instead, it is choosing actively to sacrificially put the needs of others above our own not from a place of false modesty or genuine lack of self-worth, considering others better, but rather seeing their needs as surpassing our own. Even when it doesn't seem like they deserve it, and even when they don't treat us the same way. But first, we must be rid of selfish ambition and of vain conceit, which translates to empty glory. A selfish and conceited person puts others down to achieve the highest place for their own individual glory the glory that belongs only to God. But we achieve unity in humility when we bow our knees and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. True humility is hard. The next slide, please. Thanks. 
But Jesus has done the hardest of it. He's gone the lowest into the darkest place so that we don't have to. We do have to follow in his example, though, but we are not alone in this. As humility unifies us as a community, we also have community to carry our burdens. As we each individually look to value each other's needs above our own, we form a community of people unified in mind, spirit and love. How beautiful is the picture of a community of individuals, each created uniquely and with purpose, not to be the same, but to be united in how they love God and love each other. When we follow Jesus in this way as a community, there is no need to be placing our knees above others because each of us are looking out for each other. But it's not just about living in humility with the condition that everyone else does it perfectly so that I don't feel put out. Humility is the opposite of self-serving. And we know we can lower ourselves because it is Jesus who lifts us up, even if or when our community doesn't. True humility can be so lacking in the world around us. We live in a society that prioritises individualism. Every man or woman for themselves. And if someone wrongs me, I'm okay to be angry and seek revenge. We are taught to aim for the top and we're rewarded when we do. Even in the church, we see it, the place that this selfish attitude should be furthest from. Abusers have been protected at the expense of victims. We've seen scandals, corruption, the prosperity gospel. Those in power pushing others down in selfish ambition and vain conceit in order to glorify themselves. And we can see it in ourselves, in our own impatience, stubbornness, insensitivity, exclusion of others, however we have acted to serve ourselves. As a gospel community, we should be united in our humility. And it is from this foundation that we can most effectively serve on God's mission. When we look to Christ's sacrificial humility and seek to apply it, we are sharing the gospel. That is the good news. We are Christ's ambassadors in this way, but we also have a responsibility as a united community to live according to the gospel of Christ. And that means, like Christ, we are to give up everything in this world to serve others. We are to go beyond our comfort, our privileges and our luxuries. From our experience of unity with Christ, our sharing in the spirit and of God's love, we in humility are to go to the low places, to the dark places. And this could look like all kinds of things. So my question is, what does it look like for you? Perhaps it looks like joining a serving roster at church even though you're exhausted from work at the end of the week. Or maybe it's just rocking up to church at all and knowing that your presence is important here. You are valued in this community and you bring value to this community. Or could it be joining the, uh, the Hindley Street team who give up their Saturday nights to love and serve our young people in the city? Or perhaps it's catching up with that non-Christian friend who doesn't get the whole Jesus thing. Or maybe it's asking someone how they are even though you're not going to get a word in for the next 10 minutes. And despite our fear and inability in these situations, despite our foolishness and our sin when we muck it up, it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to feel, fulfil his good purpose. And then we will shine like stars in the dark places, bringing Jesus' light and love, the hope of salvation, and the love and comfort of relationship with our mighty creator, who humbled himself so that we might know, love and serve him.
As Jess said last week, it's not about you, it's about Christ. Christ is our ultimate example of how to live in humility, putting others' needs above our own. It is through this humility and by the Spirit's power that we achieve unity and conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ as a gospel community. So just to kind of wrap things up a little bit tonight, some would say that as soon as you think you're humble, you reveal that you're not. I don't like that because it implies that we shouldn't have awareness of our own humility and that we have little control over our humility. If we desire to live lives of true humility, we need to be prayerfully and actively seeking to change our attitude and lives. God works in us, but we are active participants. And we should be critically assessing how we are loving those around us and how we can be loving them more like Jesus. So I have some questions that I'd like to invite you to reflect on. Uh, There will be a space in a moment to do that. And by reflect, I mean note down your answers, pray into them, seek to make active change in your life and interactions. So where do you call home? Are you living as a citizen of earth or are you living out your heavenly citizenship on earth? Are you contributing to unity in your own communities? Or are you impeding unity at home, church, work, study? They'll be on the screen soon. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Um, Would your family, friends and colleagues describe you as someone who lives with the same mindset of humility as Jesus? In what areas of your life can you be praying for God to teach you humility? And are you ignoring God's call to serve in the low and dark places? Are you focused on your own comforts or needs instead of the needs of others in our local, wider or even international community, like our brothers and sisters in Ukraine? And we should also be asking these questions of our church and leaders. What are their priorities? Are we competing with other churches or are we collaborating with them? Are our leaders trying to glorify themselves or God? What is driving our church? Comfort and security? numbers and growth, production and promotion? Or are we as a church truly living out our mission to see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed? So for now, consider the questions that will come up on the screen. Get out your phones or your notebooks and write down your answers. And before we get back to singing our praises to Jesus, take this time to consider what he might be teaching you not others around you, about how to live in humility. So we're just going to have some time to do that.
we come to you in gratitude for how you humbled yourself lower than anyone ever could because of your great love for us. We ask for your forgiveness for all the times we've got it wrong and we've put our own needs and wants above those around us. We ask for your help to live in humility as individuals and as a gospel community. Would your spirit continue to work powerfully in this place to unite us as your followers and your family. Lord, convict us and change us. And may you work powerfully through us to share your good news in humility to communities beyond ours here. Thank you for the gift of your word and how it teaches us. Help us to shine bright like stars in the dark places to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So just a reminder uh, that we'll have people in uh, the back corner available for prayer. Uh, And if there is anything uh, to do with humility or something that you feel like God has put on your heart, uh, please, I encourage you to pray with Nick or Margie um, and they'd love to pray through that with you. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.